Suncast is brought to you by SunGrow, providing clean power for all. Suncast is also brought to you by Trina Solar. Hey there, Solar Warriors. I'm Nico Johnson, and this is Suncast. Each week, I pull back the veil on the life and business insights of clean tech entrepreneurs building the most noble and impactful companies of our time. I hope what you learn from this conversation is a catalyst for your own growth. So thanks for tuning in and welcome to our tribe. Hey, welcome back, Solar Warriors. Welcome to another Tactical Tuesday. This is a short form conversation with subject matter experts designed to give you the practical tools, tips, and advice for building your solar business or career. Many of you have noted that with the tailwind provided from not only the incoming Biden administration, but the overall collective focus on climate change, you're considering not only how to scale your own business, but whether or not you're ready to jump into entrepreneurship or intrapreneurship. So I thought I would bring in someone who I've been working with and who several of your colleagues have been working with behind the scenes to help clarify thoughts, especially around the topic of growth. Today's topic is specifically focused on whether or not you are ready for growth. Do you know what it looks like? Are you prepared for the way that you need to orient your team, your vision, your mission? I've got my friend Robert Cross from Cross Consulting on the show today, and he's gonna help us dive right into that topic. If you're new here, I'm so grateful that you're giving us time out of your busy schedule. Time is the only resource you have that is non-renewable, and we are so grateful. If you dig what you are hearing here, we'd love it if you'd take some time and look back over the rest of our 300 plus catalog of interviews with founders and leaders in the clean energy revolution. I am really honored to be here as your host. Again, my name is Nico Johnson. But for now, let's tune up your skills, Solar Warrior, as we tune into another Tactical Tuesday here on Suncast. All right. As I mentioned, we are talking today with my friend Robert Cross coming in here from LA. Robert has been helping folks throughout the clean energy spectrum and uh, many other industries aside focus their efforts, build their team, and make an impact. And I wanted to bring Robert on to talk specifically about growth. Before we jump into that, first, welcome Robert to the show. Good morning, Nico. It's great to see you. Uh, hat tip to uh, our friend Ryan Mayfield and uh, the folks at Mayfield Renewables for helping us make our connection back in 2020. And I'm really grateful for the work that we've done together. Robert, could you give me a sense of how you got into the world of growth consulting and specifically why and how you decided that there was an opportunity in the clean energy sector that your skills apply to? You want the long or short answer? <laughs> it doesn't matter, man. We're here for, we're here for <laughs> the best answer for our, for our community. Yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll try to collapse it a bit. Both of my parents were involved with businesses. So I kind of grew up around it a little bit, you know, football practice and basketball practice. After that type of stuff, people would kind of be chilling out and I'd be reading Harvard Business Review or checking out the business section in the New York Times. So I would say something that was instrumental for me was just always being interested in different facets of business, whether that was corporate finance, economics, organizational structure. I just had an odd curiosity around it. In my professional career, I wound up working in banking. I spent 
10 years at three different banks. And one of the things that's pretty common for bankers is commercial lending and small business lending. And you start talking to business owners about the challenges that they face growing a business, uh, cash flow, a lot of stuff from the financial side. I probably grew my interest some. And then I intentionally got into the solar industry because I wanted to be part of the solution in 2008. It seems like a long time ago. Uh, moved to Oregon from New York City to work at the Energy Trust of Oregon. And, th- and that got my way into the, to the energy industry. Consulting, I had a couple of opportunities where it was like a bridge for people that I knew or organizations that I was working with who I had kind of a colleague type relationship with. Hey, Robert, can you help me out? It was really unintentional in the beginning. In Oregon, when I left Umqua Bank, that's essentially how it started. I, I was uh, recovering from a torn Achilles. It was uh, the holidays of like right before 2015. And former colleagues from the Energy Trust, people from Umqua Bank, my account holders were saying, I need help my, with my business. Can you take a look at this? My first client for cross consulting services was uh, Beeline, which is a B corporation in uh, Portland. They kind of focus on the last last mile of uh, urban delivery with uh, motorized trikes and delivering goods in the urban corridor. And they they asked me to do a market feasibility study. So the long story short is it it, it, <laughs> it took quite some time. It, it really wasn't intentional. I started doing it and, I, and it was really from the lens of, I understand business. I understand the challenges of being a business owner, knowing a lot of people in and around business who asked me for help got me going. As far as transitioning into what cross consulting services became today, after uh, several years of success and growth, and I was working with a, a wide variety of businesses, I'm talking like 2016, 2017, in, in 2018, I, de- I decided to niche down. I wanted to focus intentionally on renewable energy, specifically, and clean technology, knowing ultimately that it's one thing to generate clean energy, but where are you going to store it? Where are you going to transport it? Understanding that the grid was going to electrify in the coming years, sustainable cities, eco-districts, and all those things. So in the summer of 2018, I niched down into those two specific verticals, did some rebranding. My website's kind of in the Apollo 11 theme. It was the 50th anniversary of Apollo 11, and things have really taken off. It's busy, as you know. It's, it's crazy times in our space. It's good times in our space, and I, I try to help people the best that I can. You know, one of the things that I find interesting about the work that you do, Robert, is that you've got a really keen ability to quickly understand the macro view of a business. Do you feel like that was something that you gleaned in industry or in sort of your extracurricular study and reading? Uh, Was it work that you specifically were engaged in at Umqua and other banks or stuff outside of that that you sort of honed that skill of quickly assessing, I'll say the problem areas, but also the opportunities that business owners face? Yeah, it's a great question. And I don't know that I have a straight answer for it. I don't know if you're familiar with the Kiersey temperaments, but I'm an INFJ, which is an empath, if you believe in these things or don't. But I've always been an observer, always kind of like paying attention, looking at the lay of the land. I played chess, a lot of board games, even though when I was in athletics, 
in basketball or hockey. I was kind of always surveying the field. And, and I think that that skill, being present, but also being cognizant and aware of your surroundings has been integral to my ability to work as a consultant. Most of my clients, as you're aware, are engineers. And I like to call myself a business model engineer. I mean, ultimately, what I'm looking at is the foundation of the structure of an entity. And a business has a structure. There's the fiscal side, there's the operational side, who are your customers and what are your offer? Those are kind of the four core components. And through my work over time, I started to realize if somebody's having recurring issue or issues and day-to-day business operations, there's probably a structural issue. When I started to look at that from an engineering perspective and trying to get solutions at the root cause, that's when things really took off. It made a transformative difference. Just thinking about things of, and, and instead of when I was able to, to glean the understanding that a symptom is not a problem. And if I address problems at the root cause, it, it makes a transformational difference. Can you give me an example of a symptom versus a problem? A lot of small business owners or entrepreneurs have cash flow issues, right? People talk about it all the time. And you can be a successful business and struggle with cash flow. And that's a, that's, that's a real problem. To me, if you have consistent cash flow issues, repeatable, you know, repeating cash flow issues, it's, it's common. It's every month. When I see that, I'm going, something's wrong with the structure. Your offer isn't clear enough. You haven't dialed in your customers enough. You yourself, as the entrepreneur, don't have enough capacity. So you're doing too many things. You need to build and grow your team. And I think you could relate to that a little bit in our work together and and everything that you do with Suncast. So that would be an aspect where somebody might come to me and say, I'm having some success. Our company is well-known. We, we've made market pr- uh, penetration in these segments, but I'm having cash flow issues. Mm-hmm. If, if I take it on lip service and just and think of it that way, it might stop there. But if I start diagnosing and saying, well, what does your infrastructure look like? And what, are the, what is the offer that you put forward to customers? As an example, residential solar. If you're only doing the one install, but don't have a service contract, or aren't thinking about other ways to get recurring revenue, that's, that could be part of the reason why you have a cash flow issue. Mm-hmm. People come in, you finish the job, and they're done. You know, th- that could be a simple example of where you might be leaving opportunity on the table. Right. And that builds actually, I mean, that's something that can be extrapolated to any business. It's thinking about the lifetime value of a customer rather than the first time value. I mean, and that kind of dovetails in, in, in another one of my, um, I, I don't know, I, I don't have a book. I don't have a Bible per se, but there's like, there's like six or seven things that repeat all the time. I think one of the challenging things, and, and this is something else that you could probably relate, when you're running your business and you're in your business, it's sometimes really hard to focus on tomorrow. And you wind up spending most of your time focusing on today. And one of the things that I always try to do with my clients is start getting them to think about tomorrow, today, and go from being reactive to proactive. What's one way that you help them compartmentalize either the activity and or the time to think about tomorrow when all day as an entrepreneur, we're fireman putting out 
the next fire and thinking about the immediate problems at hand. Yeah, that's a tough one for sure. I think number one, you have to think about your present state and your future state. You know, think about where, and we'll just not to fully delve into the example, but think about where Suncast is in the year 2021. We know that this is the solar decade. I'm going to call it the solar plus storage decade, call it the electrification decade. Mm -hmm. You know that you have ambitions. Where do you want to get in five years? If you want to break it down, well, we have to, as you're kind of noting, we've got to compartmentalize it. We have to put it into pieces. One One of the favorite tools that I use with my fellow professionals is the 30-60-90 plan. And it's simple. It's not overly complicated. And, and some of these things aren't. Just taking a look at your objectives as a founder and CEO in a 90-day period and thinking about and, and in a real intentional way, what are the five to eight things that I need to get done in this period? And then drilling down into tasks and deliverables in the three-month period. Now, the thing is, and, and I'll see it all the time, and part of the reason that I do that exercise, if I give that to a really busy founder, busy CEO, the list is too long. <laughs> but but that's also part of the point of it. Because if I if I can see if I can see the patient on the operating table and they're laying things out like we're gonna st- do, we're gonna do a, do a new product line, and we have to recruit and hire a CEO, and we're gonna do market expansion into Latin America or whatever it is. And there's like 25 things on here. Right off the bat, I know too many items are rolling up to this person. There's probably a lack of focus. Expectations might be unrealistic. And that kind of becomes our sandbox to play together. Before we go any further, you mentioned kind of the four components. I feel like I captured three of them, team, customer, and offer. What was the fourth? Yeah, I'll go go through them again. So financial viability, you know, is the business financially sound from a business model perspective, infrastructure, customer, and your offer. So w- what are you selling? Infrastructure include team? Infrastructure would include your team. Yeah. Financial viability, infrastructure, customer, and offer. Yeah. Okay. Buyer persona, what are you selling? You know, you can talk about these things in different ways, but when I look at it from an engineering perspective, these core components, a good, a good analogy is a table. Mm-hmm. So there's four legs to a table. If any one of those legs is short, the table is not going to be level and it's hard to serve dinner. <laughs> no, it's hard to gather around the table. So what, what I'm trying to do is look at them independently and interdependently to see if it's structurally sound. Yeah. I would say most entrepreneurs have at least one leg short and on top of the table, they're spinning 17 plates. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So yeah. the goal is if we can get structurally sound, then we can start thinking about operations. Yeah. Then we can start identifying opportunities and challenges and prescribing solutions. But if you're not structurally sound, and I'm focusing on the, the plate spinning, the table's still going to fall over at some point. So you mentioned business model a couple of times. And in fact, the work that we did together that I'm proud of is around uh, the business model and thinking through the Harvard Business Model Canvas. Can you extrapolate a bit on how tools like Harvard Business Model Canvas and maybe other tools that you've learned through your time as not just a a management consultant, but an operator inside of different businesses help entrepreneurs and founders structure their thoughts and organize their team better? That's a great question. You, You talked about it, structure, right? It's a template. It's a format. Everybody brings something to the table. And a lot of the founders of these companies 
their their background, their passion might be in technology or engineering. They may be non for profit driven. There's probably less MBAs than you would think in the work that we're doing. Right. They, they exist. So sometimes it's a little intimidating or challenging for somebody across from me to think about this type of stuff. I've never done this before. I never thought about this before. But these tools lay things out from a, a layman's perspective. They provide parameters for an exercise. They list the steps. They're visual aids, which I think is really, really important. I mean, and if you think, I mean, think about something. So I think we did this exercise or we did part of this exercise. There's a, a whole book on value proposition design. And wh- what is that really about? All that really about is saying, I have these products and services on one side. I have customers on another side. And how do we achieve fit? So what, it, what I think that these books and templates do is they take MBA level Harvard Business Review concepts and simplify them. And if you can simplify discussions around finance, discussions around operational logistics, discussions around go-to-market strategy that empowers people and enables them to come to the table and get comfortable around things that they don't spend a lot of time and energy on. I mean, if you think about it, if you think about our industry, you know, energy storage system, renewable energy, banking, finance, pharma, all these industries have their own language. <laughs> and the, and the concepts or many of the concepts aren't over, overly complicated, but the language sometimes acts as a barrier to getting people to be comfortable. And I think these books and templates and tools empower people that I'm working with to get comfortable around subjects that they're not used to. Well, as we noted in the top, things right now really bullish for renewable energy, energy storage, as you put it, the solar plus storage decade, which is also how SEPA and SIA see our industry right now is really poised for tremendous growth. So if we turn this inward as an entrepreneur, how do I know if I'm ready for growth and I have my organization established and set to really take hold of the opportunity that's coming to us? It's a great question, Nico. The starting point for me or for anyone in that position is to take a look at your financials. And when I say that, you want to look at the profit and loss of your different facets of your business. If, if your business has consistent sustained profit, that's saying to me, the infrastructure may be sound, right? So that's, that's kind of like a fiscal litmus test. I'm going to look at the org chart, right? When you grow, you need people. And I think anybody that listens to your podcast, and I know many of my colleagues do, recruiting and hiring in our industry, not easy, <laughs> particularly for certain positions. So people drive growth. So you got to be thinking there. And then I think something that's really key, particularly on the technology side or product rollout, do you really have a clear understanding of who your customer is and your go-to-market strategy? I guess what I'm kind of saying here is, is there's no one answer. And usually what I do, and I think you're probably familiar with this, when I'm looking at working with a new client, and at this point, I almost exclusively work with referrals, kind of how you and I met, I'll do a discovery discovery process. And, and essentially, I'm asking seven to 10 questions that are getting to the underpinnings of those four components. You got to check under the hood. If you think about growth, and I, <laughs> it's not the best analogy, I'm, I'm laughing a little bit, but if, if, you, if you're going to grow, if you're aspirational, you're trying to tr- travel further, right? And if I'm, if I'm taking 
if I'm going to go back to like, say the fifties or sixties, if I'm, if I'm taking a car across the country, I'm probably going to check under the hood, make sure everything's working well before I go on that journey. And, and that's part of the initial process. You have to have an open and honest conversation with yourself and your senior leadership team and, and potentially some outsiders. I mean, some companies obviously have a formal board of directors. Some have an advisory board. We all have people on our network. Before you really start jetting off, think about it. Be intentional. Be thoughtful. You mentioned the seven-question discovery process. Does anything in particular surface as what you might consider to be the most common obstacle that you uncovered that most founders and leaders are struggling with day to day? There's some commonalities. I would say in general, understanding of finance is not something that many people I work with are knowledgeable or adept at. It doesn't particularly surprise me working in banking. I don't know that we in America learn these tools around finance and banking and saving and interest rates and all that type of stuff. And that, that whole subject, how to budget, how do you uh, price a product, how do you do an expansion plan? I would say, generally speaking, that, that that's an area of concern. And that's, that's something that has to be shored up because if you're just going to keep growing with unsound financials, it becomes really, really hard to clean up down the line. So I, I would say in the, out of the four areas, that's probably the biggest issue. I would say the second issue is just org charts and organizational growth. I think management's a, a little bit of a lost art these days. A lot of companies, corporations are different. I know there's different sizes of companies that are industry, but when you're transitioning from a small business to, to a small company, so let's just call a small business for giggles. I'll get. I'll ignore the other word from three to $5 million. But if you start getting aspirational from 10 to $30 million, this is an example, you can't run a small business like you run a small company. And often what I find, there's not enough reporting clarity. There's not enough org chart clarity. There's not enough cleanliness, directness of job descriptions and things like that. So I would say finance one, and then people clarity would be two. Yeah, I resemble that remark. (laughs) I didn't, no. I didn't do that on purpose. I know you didn't. I know you didn't. Um, but it's fine. I mean, look, most folks uh, look at, I mean, the number one question I get at Suncast is how do you make money? So it's, it's, been, a, it's been a solopreneur and small business for a long time and uh, certainly opportunities for us to become a small company. But I struggle with the things that you're highlighting. My first question when you said understanding of finance, which is not surprising, is how does that hinder a leader? Why can't we just hire around that, even if it's outsourcing it to a third party? And, and how does that get shored up? Good points. And you can, but when, when you think about it, so I'll use Ryan and Mayfield as a bit of an example. So here's a company that's doing good things, exciting stuff. Design engineer consulting was the focal point of the business for many years. I know that you're good friends with Jennifer Allison. So they're growing a technical business line that's focused on bridging the gap between engineering and marketing. And now with Justine Sanchez, we're rolling out educational courses. So there's, you're going from one business line and a small business that's pretty vanilla to three business lines and different types of products and different types of services. So you want to, at, at the end of the day, you have to build capacity to scale, right? You can't grow something without a proper foundation and you can't diversify a business without having support with your people, your infrastructure, 
from a financial perspective, better understanding who your customers are. Like all these, it's it's a constant evolution. There's nothing wrong on the financial side from having an outside expert in. But as a business owner, do you really not want to understand what these numbers mean? And that's what most people run away from. If you don't understand what they mean and you're making business decisions about new products or hiring people, and you really don't understand the implications of the decision-making, if you think about it, you're winging it a bit, right? You're kind of feeling for it. This is going to work out. And, and often it does. Yeah. But if you have a better understanding of this is my cost of goods sold, these are my indirect costs, these are my direct costs, it forces you to get better, right? And again, using Mayfield Renewables as an example, I'm inclusive in that regard. So I don't just talk to Ryan about the finances. I mean, it, it's pretty open and honest dialogue and they have a great company culture over there and trying to build awareness of all the senior staff. These, these are why these decisions are being made. This is why pricing this product is not going to work. And if you can build capacity from a fiscal perspective throughout your organization, it's more sound. We're not relying on one person, one knowledge center to do that. Yeah. And it allows, uh, as we talked many times, for the owner to, at some level, be able to step away as owner operator and be focused on the business, not focused in the business. That's right. Yeah. I mean, if, if, you, if, you, if you get more sound structurally and improves your day-to-day operations, and if you improve your day-to-day operations, you're not being run by your business anymore. Mm-hmm. You can be more thoughtful. You can be more progressive. And empowering your people is critical. And I think that's a definitive message for everybody in our industry. So you think about it. You know how many people are trying to get into our industry. And you know how many people have deep, tangible experience in our industry. There's not many relative to the amount of jobs that are out there. So when I talk to my clients or colleagues that are trying to build and grow companies, you better empower your people because they're going to have all the opportunities in the world. (laughs) That's right. You know, they can go anywhere. Back in February, fellow solar warrior Ravi Mickelson revealed in episode 345 that the world's top banks funneled nearly $2 trillion into fossil fuels since the Paris Accord signing, despite their lip service towards climate and renewables. If that gets under your skin as much as it did mine, then let Ravi's fast-growing fintech banking platform, Atmos, help you align your purpose with your pocketbook, your cause with your cash. And you can know that it's never supporting interests or industries misaligned with your personal mission. Start your financial journey at joinatmos.com forward slash suncast. Hey, by now, I'm sure you've probably heard about our mission-minded program, getting your dream job in clean energy in 12 weeks. Our current cohort has given us great feedback and kudos, I might add, as they go through the material and our coaching calls. You can see more about what this program looks like at suncast.vip. That's our brand spanking new webpage to talk about the mission-minded program. That's also where you can send friends, family, neighbors, colleagues that you know who might need a little extra help, a little guidance to find that dream job in clean energy. Our Mission Minded Program cohort is ongoing right now. We are taking a waiting list 
for our next cohort. I'd encourage you to do two things. One, send anyone you know that might be interested. Two, those of you who are so inclined, please go check out suncast.vip and email me, nico at mysuncast.com. Well, Robert, kind of coming back to our common and core theme today of are we ready for growth over the coming decade? How might you position growth and maybe milestones or keys to growth for someone who's trying to address this for their business? The first thing I'm looking for is what is the vision? And the vision is your, your model. It's your business model. If your business model is not sound or it needs to be changed or it needs to evolve, we have to start there because, again, that's foundational. The second thing I'm looking at is your budget or your performer, your five-year performer, and thinking about, okay, we have a vision, we have a product, we have a service, or we're trying to diversify our model to get into an aspect of consulting or get into an aspect of services, how do we pay for it? So we got, we got to make sure our pencils. And then the last part where the rubber meets the road is what does that look like over an 18-month period or a two-year two period? And I always break things down into fiscal quarters. If you think about it, you don't go from A to Z. There's a bunch of letters in between. There's yard markers. There's posts in between. A thing that's often challenging for my clients and my colleagues, people will come to me in kind of two conditions. One condition is they're hitting walls. They want to grow, but they don't know how. In another space, they have an influx of capital. The industry's growing. You know, so let's, let's, take an, let's take an example around that. Texas, the past month, the bad weather. What do you, what do you think happened with, with uh, solar contractors? I want energy storage. I want battery backup. So two of my clients currently, Cam Solar, which operates in Colorado and Texas, and Lighthouse Solar and Stan Pipkin, who operates in Texas, inundated with leads, slammed with all kinds of requests around uh, battery backup storage, resiliency. I don't want to deal with this anymore. <laughs> so it's great. How do you address that? What's the plan? You know, th- this is a technology that's evolving quickly. There's different manufacturers, customers don't often intentionally think about energy, right? They, they think about it when it's not there and then they know how to flip on the light switch. But there was a lot of instances where people had storage in Texas and like, why isn't this working? So if you're going to grow, you have to make sure your model's sound, the four, the four components. You have to have a budget and or performer that pencils, that, that shows that it's going to be fiscally viable. And then your plan looks at who are your people? How are you going to market? How are you selling this stuff? And can you keep up with demand? So right now, you know, here, here's a prime example where significant opportunity in Texas. Um, and I think Energy Sage reported 200% increase in website hits in February. Think about that. 200%. That means salespeople are running all over the place. You're answering a ton of questions around a technology that is new, evolving, different product lines. Do you have the Tesla Powerwall? Right? It's not easy to address. So I like to plan. I like to be thoughtful. I like to be intentional. And if you're a firefighter, it's hard to plan. And if you're lacking people around you, it's hard to plan. And if you're struggling with cash flow because the fiscal viability or business model is not sound, it's hard to plan. And if your online business presence isn't up to snuff, it's hard to capture the demand. 
So again, I always, I always go back to the four pillars. Once those are sound, it becomes easier to do things. It becomes easier to execute. You don't really want to grow until your business model is sound. You consistently demonstrate profits repeatedly, and then you start thinking about growth. If, you, if, you're, if you're at that point, and immediately what pops to my mind is people, 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 people. People get things done, particularly in our industry. I'll pull this back to, I'm thinking of Ryan. You know, why is Mayfield successful? Like, why are things happening there? It's their people. Severe technical expertise in an industry that's growing really, really fast. Manufacturers are coming out with products all the time. For those who maybe are familiar with the Mayfield team, the thing that's really consistent is that it's not just Ryan out front. Uh, you know, I, David Brearley was the first to reach out to me. Hey, Nico, been out of power in Texas for three days. Let's talk about this. Here's my article on PV Magazine. Yeah. You know, and Allison, we talked about, she's like really strong on building that technical product and teaching it. And they're always out front doing things that are both uh, personal and connected to Mayfield. And I think in today's culture of folks immediately going online to learn and looking for number one, free resources on LinkedIn and YouTube, it's an excellent way for discovery and to attract more talent. And far too few people today put themselves out there to, to teach and give for free what, they, what their clients pay for because they feel like that's their secret sauce. But the secret sauce is even if you know how to do it, having Mayfield on your team makes you very confident that you're going to get it done right. Just as a caveat, we didn't start this interview to sell Mayfield services. It just happens that we both are, are, are fans of what they do. And they're great. it's a great model for you know, to, to not talk about Suncast instead. <laughs> there you go. Well, and, and uh, thinking, you know, I was talking to Stan earlier this week. Stan's the founder and CEO of Lighthouse Solar. He got in the truck. I mean, he, he went around pandemic, you know, face-to-face, social distancing and all. But talking to clients about the challenges that they have around storage. And I think I made a post about this on LinkedIn a week ago or so. These are challenging times. There's a lot, there's a lot happening right now. It's very, very clear to me. We talked about it, solar plus storage decade. You can start thinking about clean technology, smart buildings, electrification of the grid, EVs, all this type of stuff. And then I'll throw in another thing that I delve into, artificial intelligence, all technology, technology. But there's a human side to it. And part of our job is to explain technology to empower people. That's where one of the very first things that I do, it doesn't matter who, who I'm working with, I'm like, who are your people? Who's on this team? Relaying it to the growth mindset, the, the people, your people are your engine. Let me ask you what I consider to be one of the core questions of this interview. But as we start to turn towards home base here, I wanted to bring it home on that topic, specifically around people being the core engine. I find not just within Suncast, but in all of my coaching clients, hiring is a struggle. Mm-hmm. It's a struggle for all of the reasons that you've pointed out, but not the least of which, because the business owner doesn't have a team around them generally that they can lean on. And they also aren't extremely clear about what they're hiring a team to do other than to just keep some of the plates spinning for them so they can think better. But what do you see as the biggest mistakes leaders and founders make around hiring and especially around building that early core team? I think you kind of touched on it a little bit in your segue here. People often will hire to solve problems. I need help with this. I need this to go away. 
especially if, if you're in that small business mentality without being intentional about why. Why am I hiring? I get it because there's pain points and you know someone or somebody was referred to you or there's a job they could kind of fit in. But I'm a big believer in well-defined roles. I'm a big believer in one person, one role when possible. Hmm. It's so hard on a small team. How do you do that? It's very hard. It is hard, but it's, but it's often more effective. It's the biggest challenge that you've given me. And I can tell you that it's, ex- it's exceedingly hard on a team of three people. <laughs> oh, there's no question about it. So, well, the, so the, so let's take, let's, let's look at that. So one way to do that, you know, is to have five people and have two of them be half time or part time, but they're focused on one thing. Is that the right thing? I mean, is that always the right thing to do? No. Um, another way to look at that is combining job responsibilities that are more realistic in one role, like marketing and sales go better together than often marketing and bookkeeper. <laughs> and it's not easy. And I'm there, you know, like I'm a solopreneur, right? You met Shelly recently and some of the people that I've been working with. But if, if you want to solve something, you have to be thoughtful and intentional. And I think the thing that's hard for founders in this space, if they don't have that background, is how do you do it if you've never done it? Mm-hmm. How do you lay out an org chart? How do you recruit and hire if you haven't formally interviewed a lot of people throughout your career? If you're a smaller business transitioning into becoming a small company, get help. And I'll add something to what I see as the problem in the working out of the advice. You get advice that you need one person, one job, and you need to broaden the team. And what most people do, because they're firefighters, and I'm guilty of this at times. Uh, okay, I'll be honest. I'm guilty of this every time. Uh, however, I, this isn't I've, a confessional, Nico. I know. I've observed, not only through working with you, but also through my own coaching clients and their processes. Um, I'm not coaching them on hiring. I'm watching several companies right now go through massive growth, 10x plus growth year over year. And the differentiator in them and their competitors, and I've talked to their competitors, is that they choose consciously to widen the field and to create a hiring process. And they don't just look for referrals. They don't even hire a, an intermediary, aka a recruiter. They simply put in a better process for screening applicants. And they are, I mean, one, one client in particular is able to screen in their last job, a thousand candidates, a thousand. And I talked to most of my friends and I asked them how many candidates they're interviewing for a typical job. And it's five. How many resumes did you get? 10, 15? In a world where, where, as Robert said, the market is so hungry to work in our field and people just aren't finding satisfaction in whatever their labor has brought them. Oil maybe and they're, gas, oil and gas. Yeah, maybe, yeah, I was going to say, maybe they're in oil and gas. Maybe they're in high tech and they're tired of creating cat memes and, uh, and helping Facebook uh, you know, surface the next great marketing company. Maybe they want to do something that addresses climate change. They are throwing their resumes in on Indeed and other websites, and they really, they're really lost. And our industry is not doing a good job of casting a great net to capture them. And uh, you know that's something that you and I are both working very diligently to try and address. Robert, we could spend hours on this topic. Let's wrap with a couple of questions I always like to ask, and I love how thoughtful you are, uh, and I know that you are well read and very intentional about how you consume information. Is there a particular 
resource that you often recommend? Uh, I often ask for a book or what you're reading lately, but what resource helps inform how you're thinking and guiding your clients? I've been um, using Autumn. It's an app that acts kind of as a soundcast of long-form journalism. It's not easy to digest the New York Times article, the Atlantic article, the New Yorker type article, because you got to sit there and read it. But if you're working on things and you kind of have a quiet space, I'll listen to that type of stuff. I see Audem, A-U-D-M. A-U-D-M, yeah. Little forward acronym thing going on there. I've been enjoying that quite a bit. Yeah, there was a competitor there. It's called Lissle, and they sort of migrated to providing YouTube snippets instead of audio snippets. So I'm going to have to check this out. Autumn. If you work for Autumn and you're listening to this, reach out. I want to talk to you. There you go. (laughs) I'm part of a motivational mastermind group, and I'm a consultant. I retain consultants to do different things in my business at different times. Ahmad Munawar from Boutique Growth and his 90-day pipeline program. I'm part of his motivational mastermind group. So a couple times a month get that mind share with people that are facing similar dissimilar problems, both in the industry and outside the industry. The thing that was really top of mind is talking to your colleagues, right? I try to reach out to people like you, you know, people that are in the trenches doing different things in our industry from different vantage points on a, on a regular basis to get a sense of what's going on, you know, to get a sense of what are the pain points, where do opportunities lie, build and grow your own network and and stay in touch with people. I think it's pretty important. But again, hard hard to do if you're in firefighter mode. Absolutely. Well, Robert, you've shared an incredible amount of value here today to help prepare entrepreneurs and dare I say, entrepreneurs and even job seekers for how to think about adding value, not just to the marketplace, but to their own businesses. Where can folks who want to learn more about you or glean more insights from you, where do you like to be found? How can they reach out? A lot of people find me on LinkedIn. I also have a website. It's uh, crossconsultingservices.com. Rob, what one thing do you see happening in the market that maybe nobody else is tracking? What's in your crystal ball? I don't know if anyone else has said this to you or if you've read it, but I'm, I'm going to make a bold prediction. The solar coaster has been around a long time. Yeah. It's officially over. It's done. <laughs> well, folks, you heard it here on... Suncast. Robert Cross is uh, not only a friend of the Suncast community, but is the owner, founder, CEO of Cross Consulting Services. You can find him on the web at crossconsultingservices.com. Of course, you can find him on LinkedIn and we'll link to him in our show notes as we always do. Robert, we'll have to have you back to dig into more of the mindset and tool preparation for CEOs growing their business in clean and climate tech. Thanks, man. Nico, I enjoyed it. You're the magician. Thank you, brother. Good to see you. Good to see you too. All right. Well, Robert, thank you so much for joining us today. It was so good to have Robert on the show. And I really hope that you were taking notes. And of course, if you weren't taking notes or if you just want some of the information from this episode or any of the other episodes that we have laid down here on Suncast, you can do that over at mysuncast.com. You can check out the show notes. You can check out how you can work with us here on Suncast. These Tuesday episodes, as we call them Tactical Tuesdays, are meant to give you the practical advice that you need to grow your business or your career in clean tech and climate tech, clean energy, as we like to refer to it. So I invite you to join us on that journey. If you're not clear about how to contribute, if you are unclear about how to join the the clean energy and climate tech community, 
why don't you click on that work with Nico button over at mysuncast.com and grab a clarity call, 15 minutes that could define the next 15 years of your life. I hope that you'll do that. I hope that you'll also consider checking out our sponsors as we've had so many companies come alongside and partner with us to reach the Suncast community. Thank you to all of our sponsors who help make this and every episode free to you. You can learn more and also how you could become a sponsor over at mysuncast.com forward slash sponsor. Remember, you are what you listen to. Thanks again for showing up, Solar Warrior. It's half the battle.